0: at fbcaa.org slash live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as Pastor Postiff opens God's Word. Okay, good evening, everybody. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Matthew 28, please. Matthew chapter 28. We're still looking at verses 18 through 20. This is part six of our series in these verses. And uh, we, are, we have talked about the foundation of the Great Commission. We've also talked at great length about the assignment of the Great Commission. And now I'm just uh, leafing through my little booklet of notes here to get to Roman numeral three, the assurance of the Great Commission, the assurance of the Great Commission. And I'll mention that the notes are available now at long last on the church website, I uh, got them to a point where I wasn't ashamed to show them publicly. So they are they're there on the website in the normal spot, fbcaa.org docs. That's D-O-C-S, not D-O-X, D-O-C-S. And uh, you can find them there. And actually, it's replicated six times the same thing. It's just linked for each Wednesday night that I've spoken. So it's the newest one's always at the top. The newest message is always at the top of that list. So you can go there and find that. It's uh, probably 16 or so pages in the print uh, there. It's longer here on my desk. But um, in any case, Matthew 28, 20, we saw that the, uh, this verse had the last of the four instructions of the, or the assignments, if you will, in the Great Commission. It's teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And we said, really, this has to do with training training new disciples to obey or keep all the things which the Lord commanded us. And that is a long task. That's a, a lot of a big task. It's a never-ending task because have you been taught to obey everything that the Lord has, has taught us? Well, you've probably been taught. It's probably been said to you. Many things have been said to you, but are you ob- are you trained yet? <laughs> no, you know how it is when you have a, a new dog, a new puppy in the house, and you have to train the dog or the cat or whatever. Yeah, train the children. Okay, yeah. Now you're getting personal you're getting closer to home. <laughs> so we have uh, we have training that we need, and we're not done training anyway. Uh, that was in the first part of verse 20. The last part of verse 20 says this, and, "And lo or behold, look, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the assurance of the great Commission, as we 'll say this at the end, but I 'll bring it forward at the beginning as well, that when you think of the task that God has left us with, you might think, boy, this is difficult." It's big, it's uh, daunting, it's dangerous, it's consuming, but the Lord said, I am with you even to the end. I'll come back to that as I said. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, when Matthew quoted from Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, and the Bible says, and a virgin shall conceive and Bring forth a son, and you will call his name, anybody? Emmanuel. That means God with us. And the author Matthew, the human author under the inspiration of God's spirit, has brought us all the way full circle back to that theme now, and he has told us that Jesus said to his disciples, I will be with you. God with us I will be with you a promised son would be born named Emmanuel of course we understand this to refer to the incarnation of Christ the second person of the trinity from virgin conception and birth all the way to his ascension to heaven that's his incarnation but Jesus or the gospel of Matthew now closes with Jesus promising to be with the disciples always even to the end of the age end of the world basically so he was with us in human flesh for 33 years during the first century, and afterward the promise is that Jesus will continue to be God with us after the ascension, although in a different manner or a different way. And that promise that he made that he will be with us echoes down through the ages to the present day, but not just the sound of the promise, it's the actual fulfillment of it. This is not just a series of words, but it's a truth that is real, a truth that is real. If you ever wonder about this, I've thought, and I haven't thought about this as much as I would like to, but I have started to anyway, and that is, how do you know that the Lord is with you? I mean, you can say it mystically and you know, try to convince others about it, but If you see the difference that he has made in your life relative to before you were saved or people before they are saved, if you see the different way that people think now in Christ than out of Christ, if you don't understand them, I'm speaking now to somebody who's outside wondering, how do you know Christ is with us? If if you don't understand how they think, how they process things, that's an evidence that they've been transformed by Christ and that he is working in them. This is a real thing, that is, he will be with us always, even to the end of the age. Now exactly how Jesus is with us is something that we need to think about for a minute. The Lord is with us in this way. He sent his spirit to dwell in us and with us. And since the Spirit of God is just as much God as Jesus is God and the Father is God, it's therefore true that when the Spirit of God dwells in us and in us corporately now, individually and corporately, that when He's with us and in us, that God is with us. Listen to John 14, verses 16 to 18. Jesus said, And I will pray to the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, which the world cannot receive. I'm reading from John 14, 17. Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now listen to this. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. I think he's talking about He's going to come to them in the person of the Spirit of God, who is sometimes called, by the way, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Christ. Jesus is also with his people in a more general sense in terms of his omnipresence. I mean this, where can you go to flee from him? (laughs) You know, above or below or far away We cannot get away from God. Where can I flee from his presence? You cannot flee from the presence of God. Everywhere you are, God has already been. If you think you've gone to someplace new, God made it, and he's been there ever since the beginning. If you think you're going to hide from God, you cannot hide from God. If you think you can turn the lights out and he won't see, he can see. in The dark just as well as in the light. He knows everything. And so, although imperceptible at many times, he is there. Just as God the Father and God the Spirit are also there, Jesus is there. So He's omnipresent, but He's also specially present through His Spirit in the people whom He has saved. Now Jesus, the Bible tells us also, Jesus is with the church in its hardest moments when, for example, the church has to remove a member or make a declaration about somebody's sin being retained And he's also with the church, or or I should say too, when the church is persecuted. I'll have a special note about that in a moment. Jesus is also with his church in the times when it has joy, like, for instance, when the church family can declare somebody's sins forgiven because of the work of Christ. What a privilege, what a privilege that is. I wish God would give us more of that privilege today. May some people come and, and say to us, I believe in the Lord, but what about my sin? I say, well, if you believe in the Lord, He's already cleansed you of your sin. You need not to worry about it any longer. You're washed white as snow, whiter than snow, actually. <laughs> whiter, comparative, whiter than snow. Um, so he's there when the church is asking about these matters or in other things as well. And we know that because Matthew 18 tells us for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And that is in Matthew 18 where the church is asking you know, for God's help about having to deal with an unrepentant brother or uh, sins being bound or retained or, or loosed. And, and so on. So there's a lot of things. It's not just a prayer meeting verse. It's a lot of heavy, heavy things that the church may go through. And Jesus is saying, I am there with you. How else is Jesus with us? Well, Jesus, uh, remember we said the basic truth is he's with us through his spirit. But also Jesus observes everything that you and I experience and that the church experiences in terms of the difficulties that they that we have you remember Acts chapter 9 verses 3 and 4 on the road to Damascus Jesus confronts Saul as he journeyed and came near Damascus and suddenly the light shone around him from heaven and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him Saul Saul why are you persecuting me it's not like the church was some distant far-off organization that Jesus was over here and they were getting persecuted and he was unattached to it he was in it He was experiencing the pricks of persecution. Jesus is that close to his church. In fact, he's within his church. When governments try to close churches or harass churches or when Christians are harassed in the workplace, Jesus knows all about it. He knows all about it. You know, the coaches that try to pray and they get kicked out of the school or off the team or the young people who want to express their faith and can't because of wicked people in their school or workplace, Jesus knows all about it. He sees the oppression of his people. We know that from Exodus chapter 3, God speaking to Moses at the burning bush. You remember how God said, I have seen the oppression of my people. But it's not just from heaven afar off that God sees the oppression of his people. Jesus experiences that oppression himself. When we suffer, he suffers. When we suffer, we're really, in a way, as Paul said, fulfilling up the measure of the sufferings of Christ, not the redemptive sufferings, the sufferings that Christ is to undergo before the measure of persecution is complete and God says enough is enough and the end of the age comes. The Lord is with us until that end of the age. Jesus also is with us in that he protects his ministers. When Paul was serving the Lord in Corinth, Jesus said to this this to him in Acts 18.9, Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak. And do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. Now, you remember in Corinth, they had tried to bring up the Christians before Gallio the proconsul and, uh, you know, get rid of them, basically, agitate them and, and stir up the crowd and cause a problem. And the Lord stands with the Apostle Paul, and he says, I am with you, I will not allow anyone to hurt you, to attack you, in this particular instance. He had a lot of people in that city that needed to be saved. So he wasn't going to allow some puny government officials to get in the way of the work of God in those people's lives. Thus, Paul need not fear, but could genuinely speak the gospel, no matter what the Jewish religious authorities said. You know how they always were after Paul. They got jealous because Paul got more followers than they did, just like Jesus. No matter what the idol worshippers said in that town, no matter what the government officials said in that town, Paul had freedom to preach the gospel, to make disciples, to baptize them, and to train them in accordance with the Great Commission. God had people appointed for eternal life, and he was going about the business of ensuring that they would be saved. In this situation, we can truly say it was like Peter says that he was not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. All those that were his in this town were going to come to saving knowledge of Jesus. His presence, that is Jesus' presence with us, ensures, therefore, the forward progress of his work. The Lord also stands with Paul, and helped him as he faced a court proceeding. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, at my, at my first defense, no one stood with me, but the Lord did. The Lord protected Paul, uh, cho- or stood with him rather at the end of his life. And 2 Timothy chapter four seventeen actually says that. I'll just flip over there myself I didn't copy all these notes in verses into my notes so I have to look at some of them in the hard copy of my Bible 2nd Timothy 4 verse 17 but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear also I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion now Jesus did not choose in the end to protect Paul from death in this instance it was time for Paul to give his life as a drink offering to the Lord. But at least he didn't have to suffer death at the mouth of a lion. I think he had a more um, slightly more dignified end. Not to say it was very good, but at least he didn't have to get mauled by a lion. The Lord has been with his people for millennia. And this promise is, in a a sense, is nothing new, but it's attached to a commissioning. It's attached to the commissioning of someone for service. Think think with me for a moment about Joseph. Joseph was in the prison, and the Bible says, and the Lord was with him. And the Lord was with him, and the Lord was with him three or four times, it says in Genesis 39. uh, Four times, actually. Or Moses in Exodus chapter three twelve, and I will be with you, the Lord said. I will be with your mouth so that you know what to speak. Or Joshua, be of good courage. I will be with you in all the places where you are having to go. Psalm forty six seven. Psalm forty six seven. I will read this one. These are good. Psalm 46, verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And then it repeats again in verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Isaiah chapter 8 and verse number 10 says this. Isaiah 8 and verse number 10 Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak the word, but it will not stand. That is, you know, enemies speaking against Israel. For God is with us. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. He says, I will help, yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteousness right hand and hebrews 13 5 reminds us that we should not be covetous because what the lord has promised to never leave us nor forsake us so what do we have to worry about what do we have to worry about in john's gospel the bible tells us that we will be with jesus um Remember John fourteen three. if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and what? Receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And he prayed the, to, to the Father in John 17, Lord, I want those that you've given me to be with me. And John chapter 12 and verse number 26 says something very similar to that. It says these words in John 12 and verse number 26. If anyone serves me, Let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. I'm just going over all of this to to show you all the different ways that Jesus is with his people and how he is with them and how we will be with him in the end. 1 Thessalonians 4.17, the dead in Christ will rise first. We will follow them and meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall ever be with the Lord. Okay. If you, you know, it seems like it's a pretty certain kind of teaching. It's all over the Bible. Whether, you know, if you're a Christian, whether you can feel it or not, God is with you. You're simply called to trust in that promise, even when it's dark and you can't feel his presence. We can also, you know, relate to incidents in church history where it, seemed to, it seems impossible to avoid the conclusion that God was with his people. You've read missionary stories. We'll call them missionary accounts. Amazing things that are done, and you say, "There doesn't seem to be any possible way that could be, you know, happen without God being in the midst of it, without at least an angel, you know, going to do what needs to be done." Just tremendous. Now, I titled the section in my notes "The Assurance of the Great Commission," because we have an assignment that's seemingly unending. The assignment of going, making disciples, baptizing and teaching them never ends. There's, there's always new, there are always new areas to evangelize. There are always new people being born, new challenges to overcome, new regulations that fight against the church, new languages to translate the Bible into, and training any disciple to obey all that Jesus has taught us in itself is a never ending task. Even Chuck Allen at 86 or 87 years old wasn't totally finished learning everything that the Lord had taught. He had come a long way down the road of maturity, though, and uh, we're not all there yet. But even in spite of the daunting nature of the task, the foundation of the Great Commission is rock solid. Remember the foundation I said? That's the authority of Jesus. All authority has been given to me, he said, in heaven and on earth. The assignment is tremendous, the foundation is sure, but the assurance of the presence of the Lord in the commission assures ultimate success in the big picture. It doesn't mean that every battle is going to be won, but the war will be won. The battles may be up and down, but the war will be won. His people may, may suffer persecution, but they will win in the end. Jesus will help them. He will be with them. When you have a hard task, it's an awful lot easier when someone is going with you who knows the ropes. You know that? You know, we're joining someone who knows the way, who has guided millions of missionaries and pastors and Christians over the centuries. He doesn't just give orders and then leave us to our own devices. That's a tremendous comfort. He is with us. You know, you're not walking across the rope bridge by yourself for the first time with no experience. Jesus is right there in front of you and behind you and underneath you and beside you, going along with you and helping you. As it was with Joseph when he was serving the Lord in Genesis 39 and Moses when he was commissioned and Joshua when he was called and Gideon. You remember, how do, you, how do I know you're going to go with us, Gideon said. Well, he found out that God would. and In Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 1, 8, we have a similar thing, Jeremiah being commissioned to uh, serve the Lord. And uh, it says in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse number 8, do not be afraid of their faces, God said to Jeremiah, for I am with you to deliver you, to deliver him from them. So it's, it's like that for us. God was with those saints and assured that they had the power to fulfill the tasks that he had, been, that he had assigned them. Those were their commissions. The Great Commission is our commission. Without the presence of God and Christ and the Spirit, we, w- we would never be able to accomplish our task. But with his presence, listen, with his presence, we cannot but accomplish the task. We cannot help but accomplish it. Let's not be overwhelmed then by the Great Commission into a state of shocked inactivity. You know what I mean by that? oh my, it's too big, I can't do it, I can't. I don't know what to do. We have the presence of Christ going with and before us. This is the assurance that comes with the Great Commission. Now, I was going to talk a little bit more, but I'm not, because I'm going to save it for next time. Next time, the resources of the Great Commission. The presence of the Lord is, in a sense, that. But, uh, you know, here we're looking just tonight at the assurance that comes with the Great Commission. God promised to be with us, Matthew one twenty-three, and Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Oh, how we look forward to being together with the Lord and with the saints that have gone before us. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the assurance that we have in the Great Commission that uh, you have provided us your very presence to guide us, to help us, to encourage, to protect. I pray that you would help us to go forward in that strength, realizing that with that, nobody can stop the work of Christ. The word of God is powerful, indeed sharper than any two-edged sword. It runs to its destination. It cannot be stopped. God, your, your word will accomplish the purpose wherewith you sent it. And I pray that you would help us to have that kind of confidence in our work for you. Not arrogance, but settled assurance and confidence because you've promised. Thank you for the kind attention of these ones. May we now go home safely and get the rest that our bodies require because we are finite, limited creatures. Thank you for that rest that restores our bodies and our souls and our minds to be able to serve you for another day. In Jesus' name, amen.